What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to an emer- another emergency podcast edition of the Battery Powered Daily Hammer uh, podcast uh, with uh, Sean Coleman and Stephen Tolbert. Stephen, how are you doing this evening, sir? What's up, Sean? It's good to be on with you again, buddy. It's always fun to do these with you. Um, yeah, kind of an unusual circumstance. Normally we do these when the Braves make a move, but obviously this is more about a move that they didn't make. So, But it's always good to be on with you, buddy. Absolutely. And to your point, Stephen Tolver is obviously one of the best followers out there when it comes to Braves coverage and, anal- and analysis at V underscore outliers. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at Stats SAC. And to Stephen's excellent point, this emergency podcast is is not like many of the others that we've done over the past few months uh, where we're talking about moves that the Braves have made, either acquiring talents or extending talents. This one is reaction to the Braves not making a move. And for whatever opinion you may have of that, we're hoping to certainly break down many of the perspectives. But we'll get right to it. What we're, of course, alluding to is the fact that Dansby Swanson, who's been the Braves' shortstop since, you know, the latter part of the 2016 season, he signed a seven-year, $177 million deal with the Chicago Cubs as, as Trey Turner and Carlos Correa and Xander Bogarts know found their homes for 280 plus million 300 plus million and all that it became apparent that Dansby Swanson was going to cash in he was going to you know benefit from this spending and especially with some big markets out there needing shortstops that's certainly what occurred and Stephen we'll just start right with it your initial reaction you know to a place that you know for a while has been rumored to have interest in Swanson it makes sense of the place that he went with the need that's probably there for him but just your initial reaction for the amount of money obviously that he earned and obviously the fact that his time with with Atlanta is officially over yeah I mean if you've been following this for you know the last really the last year probably even more, probably more like 18 months, then hopefully you've kind of seen the writing on the wall. This was, um, I don't want to say, this was the direction it's been moving in for a a pretty good amount of time now. Um, You know, we don't get a lot of information, but the bits and pieces of information that we do get about what the Braves have been offering and what Dansby side was looking for, you know, it, the numbers that you were hearing were not close. They weren't even like, they weren't even like kind of close. And so you knew, and listen, uh, the, the nature of the beast is if you can't get a contract uh, extension worked out when you're the only team that can negotiate with Dansby, then when the other 29 teams can start negotiating with them, it's, it's not going to help the situation. You're not going to, you're not more likely to reach a contract because you know, the other 29 teams can now negotiate with them as well. So the, the writing was on the wall for a while. And, you know, when the market exploded this winter, like it did, especially at the shortstop position, you know, it just became even more clear. Uh, the Braves have been really quiet in free agency. They really haven't done much at all. 
and you know it, i i i was expecting this for a while the cubs were one of the first teams that were mentioned with dansby just because of his chicago connection obviously his wife is is uh plays with chicago so it was a very obvious fit cubs apparently wanted to spend some money um and kind of get back to trying to win that division is really bad so you know if you can just add a little bit of talent you can probably compete and so that's what they wanted to do. Um, it was all going to come down to the number. It, it, you know, I, I never thought the Braves were going to be anywhere close. I, I will never really know, I bet, but I, I bet the Braves weren't in the top five of best offers that he got um, just because it, it just seemed like they had set their number and it, it was pretty it was pretty low relative to Dansby's market. So, um, but seven years, 177, you know, that's definitely higher than what we thought when the season or the offseason started. But every deal that's been signed is higher than what we thought when the offseason started. So relative to expectations of the market, that's probably, you know, that's probably fair. It's probably, I mean, it's almost certainly an overpay, but everybody that's signed a contract this winter is probably getting overpaid a little bit. Um, and that's just the nature of it right now. But I wasn't terribly surprised. I know there are some people, I know Twitter was a dumpster fire right after it happened. People freaking out because, you know, some people, I guess, still were holding on some hope that it, that Dansby would come back, but, if you, if you were reading the tea leaves for most of the winter and, and even leading up to it, then it shouldn't have been too much of a surprise. Absolutely. And, and, you know, now, you know, this is the second straight off season where we have seen a fan favorite longtime brave that is critical, you know, to the brave success on the field. You know, one of the most well-known, well-respected Braves off the field, the second straight season where we've seen that player, type of player. Freddie Freeman obviously is, you know, probably, you know, obviously is a more talented player than Dansley Swanson in terms of on the field production. But my point that I'm getting at is if you would have told, you know, many 10 months ago that, you know, by Christmas, Dansby Swanson or, you know, Freddie Freeman would be Braves moving forward. I think that would be hard to believe. But to your point, just like the Freddie Freeman situation last year, as the offseason went along, it kind of became clear that there was a better and better chance that we were not going to see Swanson be a brave and you know along with that unlike the freddie freeman situation and we'll get this uh, to this a bit later on in the in this episode you know there's not that obvious pivot you know like with freeman and matt olson that was there but you know the thing that stands out on this is that i know that for some it may be a surprise but also this is now twice we have seen alex anthopolis no matter how important or you know how integral to the braves a player may seem he is going to stick with what he feel, feels a player's worth is, and he's not going to go above that, no matter who that player is. I think that that's a pretty smart way to go about doing things. It was it was actually impressive to see, you know, him not giving to the pressure of the market that's out there. He consistently does not do that, and that was proven once again by not overpaying Swanson to prevent him from going to the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, Alex, Alex is definitely more – you know, um, there are some GMs and some teams that will kind of move with the market, if you will. You know, they'll be kind of um, they'll be flexible in their in their numbers. And if the market shifts quite a bit, then they'll shift with it. And Alex doesn't appear to be one of those people, um, you know, but we, we, we don't actually know what the Braves ended up offering. You know, they, they could have come in and, and raised their offer to kind of match the market. We don't we'll we'll never know. Um, but two off seasons in a row, letting two guys like this go is definitely, it takes some guts. And, you know, one thing Alex has on his side is he's got 
quite a bit of goodwill built up. You know, ever since he's been the GM, he's been the GM for five years now, and, and the Braves have five consecutive playoff appearances, five consecutive divisions. You know, they have a pennant. They have a World Series. They have one of the best young rosters in baseball, most of whom is locked up for quite a bit, quite a bit of time. So, you know, hopefully Alex is, at least with most of the fans, built up enough of a uh, enough equity where, you know, there's at least the benefit of the doubt. And I I would not have signed Dansby to this deal. I don't disagree with the decision. Um, I I have no problem letting him go to the Cubs for the, that amount of money. You know, it's $25, 26000000 million a year. Dansby would have been the highest paid player on the team. And I just don't – I don't – Dansby's not the kind of talent that should be the highest paid player on the team. I think he's probably on his true talent level, probably the seventh or eighth – sixth, seventh, eighth best player on the team, something in that range in terms of just talent. Now, obviously, he's got some intangibles that are important, but he's just not – you know, he's not the type of guy that needs to be the highest paid player on your team. And that's what he would have been if, if they had – if they had signed this contract. And so I have no problem with it. I know a lot of people will. I know a lot of people will have a problem with letting Dansby and Freddie go back to back. You know, this one hurts a little more because last year, Matt Olson, the Matt Olson trade actually happened before Freddie signed. I don't know if you remember that, but we actually got news that the Braves were trading for Matt Olson before Freddie Freeman, you know, Freddie Freeman was still a free agent when Matt Olson got traded to the Braves. And, and so there was already a replacement, on the team when Freddie ended up signing his deal with the Dodgers. This is obviously different, you know, uh, Swanson signed and there's not a clear replacement. We'll get into exactly what the Braves are going to do here in a minute, but you know, it's not like they signed Correa and then Dansby signed, you know, that would obviously be a much different tone uh, of the evening, but so that's probably, you know, there's a lot of frustration that the Braves have been kind of quiet this off season, which plays into some of the reaction, but just on a pure baseball analysis, I, I have no problem with them letting Dansby walk on that amount of money. I wouldn't have signed it. I just, I don't trust the bat enough. And as he ages and the defense worsens, you know, you're going to have to lean on that bat for a lot of this value. And if you don't trust the bat, then you're going to have serious reservations about doing it. And that's obviously where the team fell. And I, I, I have no problem with it. I, I, I agree quite honestly. Absolutely. And, and I don't want anyone to take it as if, you know, we're, trying to bash on Dansby Swanson. We're just being realistic. I had two truths do exist. If you look at Dansby Swanson since the start of 2019, or even more so since the 2020 season, Dansby Swanson has, you know, by value systems, multiple value systems, been one of the best shortstops in baseball. But when you also break down the offensive consistency, a lot of that has been from hot streaks and cold streaks. He's very valid in the field coming off his first gold glove. And so there's a lot of good value there. You easily could see 2022 being the best season of his career, but you also could see, you know, a few more three or four win seasons as well. So it's not as if Dansby Swanson is a bad player. It's not as if Dansby Swanson, you know, isn't a very, very above average player. But we talk about former Braves, and you brought this point up, Stephen, in that this deal does kind of feel like it could have some type of risk to it for the Cubs 
like a former Brave they signed back, I believe, before the 2016 season. I'm talking about Jason Hayward, obviously. In Hayward, you had a player who was peaking at the right time when it came to his offense, but most of his value was in his defense. Now, Swanson probably has a bit more offensive consistency than in Hayward, but still a lot of his value is in his defense. It seems like that that could be the type of situation with Swanson, you know, this time around. You're, you're, you're paying for the defense, which is a big part of his value, hoping that the offense stays consistent, at least an above average rate. And for that reason, we talk about him being overpaid now. I also think, as you just brought up, we could see that this is a deal. Don't necessarily think we're going to see it be a Marcus Simeon, Javier Baez type deal, you know, like those deals look like now. But Swanson, as he ages, if that offense doesn't stay consistent, that deal becomes less and less of a benefit as time goes on. Yeah, and Chris and I have talked about this a bunch. Obviously, we've talked about Dansby uh, a ton in the last few months, but you know, free agent contracts are almost always more about offense than defense because you're always, almost always paying more years in a player's 30s than you are in their 20s just because MLB players don't reach free agency until much later. You know, they don't, they're not usually free agents until 28, 29 years old. And so most of any contract they sign is going to take place in their 30s. And most defensive play happens, at least elite defensive play happens when a, a player is in his 20s. You know, defense does not age well, age well. So, you know, you add those two together, most free agent contracts are built on a player's offense because that's what you can count on being dependable into a guy's, you know, mid, late 30s. And so anytime you're signing a defensive first guy, and this was the parallel to Hayward, you know, you're you're taking a chance that if the if the defense goes, what are you left with? What do you what what do you have to support this contract? What do you have to support, you know, to 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 gain value out of? And that's the risk. And that's why, you know, Dansby did get quite a bit less than the other shortstops. You know, if you look at Xander and Correa and Turner, they all got close close to or more than $300 million, and that's because they're better offensive players. And, and Dansby's offense is more of a question. And so, you know, that's definitely the that's definitely the consideration. And, you know, the Cubs obviously felt like he has enough offensive value where it's not going to matter. And listen, infield defense does age a little bit better than outfield defense. Out, outfield defense ages horribly when you get into a player's 30s, which was the big risk with Hayward. Infield defense does age a, a bit better. You can get guys who can be really strong defensive shortstops, you know, through their 33, 34 age seasons. Um, but it's a risk. You know, if, if a guy's range goes, Dansby doesn't have the strongest arm. Actually, Dansby has one of the weakest arms in baseball relative to shortstops. Then, you know, if his range goes, which is really his main asset, or if he gets an injury, he can't move the same way. He doesn't have a bat. His bat's not good enough to be to put him at third base, which is what happens to a lot of guys. You know, and if you can't put him at third base and he's not hitting well enough to justify playing average defense at short, then, you know, you're just stuck paying – $26 million a year to a guy who's not really contributing much. And, you know, a big part of Dansby's value is his base running. And that's another thing that doesn't really age particularly well, you know, as guys get older, you know, you get knee problems, you get leg problems. Anybody who's ever been over the age of 30, you know, you just wake up and stuff hurts. And so that's just how, that's just how life goes. And so, 
that's the risk. And the Cubs were fine with it and the Braves weren't. And, you know, it really just comes down to that. And I, I have no problem with the Braves saying no. I'm happy for Dansby. I think we should say that Dansby had a career year at the best possible time, a lot like Hayward did, you know, in his one year with St. Louis, he had that career year that, that got him that contract. And, and Dansby did the same thing with the Braves last year. And so good for him. I mean, he's set for life. He's, you know, he's, he's exactly where he wants to be. And so I'm happy for him. Uh, I don't, ho hopefully nobody has any animosity towards Dansby for making this decision. You know, that's what, when you get to free agency, this is what happens. You know, teams can blow you out of the water in terms of their offer and, and then the guy leaves. So that's just the name of the game, but good for Dansby and, you know, now it turns to what are the Braves going to do? And before we get to that, which is definitely the, the big question, you know, out there is, you know, Stephen, I'll ask you this just as kind of a, a bit of a pivot on this conversation. Your favorite Dansby Swanson moment, moment. I mean, we're talking about a guy who helped us win a World Series from the area. We obviously had, you know, one of the, you know, more notable trades in, in recent franchise history to get him. But he, he was clutch many times in the postseason. Great combination at second and short with him and Ozzy. You know, a, a very good representative of the team. I know there was the fun things like the sage to kind of get the winning ways going a few years back but you know for me obviously the moment that stands out was him making the final out of the world series but you know just a lot of positives great guy great production at the shortstop position but any one thing that stands out you know from Dansby's time in Atlanta that you know will kind of stick with you as time goes on Dansby had a ton of clutch hits you know that's one thing that people loved about him is that he usually came up big in, in big spots and you know, clutch is not really something that exists on, on a statistical level, but, you know, you remember the big moments. Obviously, you said he made the last out of the World Series. and It's funny, all the guys that were involved in the last out of the World Series are, are not here anymore with Will Smith and Dansby and Freddie. But so that one stands out, Dansby hitting the home run in game six against Houston to, you know, kind of put that game away. The home run he hit to take the lead in game four of the World Series. You know, him and Solaire went back to back. Uh, the Braves were down 2-1, then Solaire tied it, and then Dansby hit a home run to, to take the lead, and obviously they won that game. That was huge. But honestly, the moments, the moment I'll remember most, and maybe it's recency bias, was that massive series against the Mets last year that was going to decide the division. Dansby hit a home run in every single game. He went – it was a three-game series, and he hit a home run in every single game. Uh, I think Olsen hit a home run in every single game too, but – you know, Dansby just really showed up for that series. That series was the reason the Braves won the division last year. And, you know, um, but you could argue the World Series stuff. I mean, he played – he was huge in that Houston series to win the World Series. Obviously, if that was the thing that happened last, that would probably be my answer. But, you know, him the, the series that he had against the Mets last year was huge. Uh, but he, he had so many big hits. I mean, we could probably go through. I think he had a number of walk-offs in his career. So, he was just a clutch player, man. I'm definitely going to miss him. I don't get as attached to players as other people do. So I'm not going to be as affected by this as a lot of others will. But, you know, he was a really good player for the Braves. And, you know, it is it is sad anytime kind of an era ends. And that's pretty much what happened tonight. Absolutely. And, and, and you're absolutely correct is that, you know, this this kind of is a bit of an end to an era because, you know, um, Swanson and, and, and Freddie Freeman, you know, they were there for parts of the rebuild and or for Freddie for the whole rebuild, Swanson for a big part of it, you know, obviously leading to, you know, the Braves' recent success. But to your point, back to a point you made a few seconds ago, the one key difference between this and the Freddie Freeman situation is that 
if the question in the Freddie Freeman situation is what do the Braves do now once Freddie signed with the Dodgers, they already had their answer. They had gotten Matt Olson. Well, this time around, the Braves don't have a clear answer. What do they do now at the shortstop position now that Dansby is a Cub? So we'll kind of go at this, you know, at different levels here. Let's first start internally, you know, because we know that we've heard Alex Anthopoulos, many others talk about, you know, kind of hyping up Vaughn Grissom as potentially being a natural replacement for Dansby. I know he's got some experience at shortstop, obviously intriguing at the plate. Very young, defense a bit questionable. There is Orlando Arcia as well, who, you know, had a, you know, one of his better offensive years, you know, okay defense, I guess, but, you know, putting him out there at the shortstop position as your starter every day, that doesn't seem to be too intriguing. Focusing internally, um, Stephen, you don't really, I know people are hyping up Bond Grissom, but when you start looking internally for a replacement for Dansby Swanson that you're satisfied with, it doesn't really offer a lot of intrigue that makes you think that who's going to replace Dansby is already in the Braves organization. Yeah, I mean, this is now the big question. And if you listen to the team, if you believe what the team says, then they'll tell you that that Vaughn is, you know, uh, making improvements, you know, massive improvements in his defense. He's been working with Washington, uh, Ron Washington all offseason. And, you know, if you believe what they say, then they very much think that Vaughn Grissom could be the starting shortstop next year. The problem with that is, even if they didn't think that they would say it, you know, they're not going to come out and say, well, no, this guy, this guy sucks. You know, this guy can't play shortstop. We're going to have to do something else. That's not what you say. You don't do that because you, you give away all your leverage in any kind of trade talks or free agent talks. So you have to at least pretend publicly, like you have an answer internally. And so the, the, the line is going to be that, at least publicly, that they have an answer in Vaughn Grissom and or Orlando Arcia. That's going to be the line, you know, whenever Alex talks or Brian talks publicly that, you know, they have an internal replacement. The truth is they probably don't. And, you know, if you follow Mark Bowman on Twitter, who's the, the MLB.com beat writer for the Braves, he's pretty much laid it out a couple of times that, they have to say this stuff publicly, but they don't actually think that Vaughn Grissom could be a, the starting shortstop for, you know, a world series contending team next year. You know, he's just not, he's not ready defensively. And, and if you're asking my opinion, that's where I, I, I fall kind of down the same line as Bowman that, you know, they're, they're saying these things publicly to maintain leverage as much leverage as they can in any kind of uh, transaction that they're trying to get done. And, I don't actually think that they're ready to hand, just hand the shortstop job over to Vaughn, especially in the year where, you know, shifting is so much more limited. You can't help a guy by adding a a third defender on his side, you know, individual defensive talent is going to matter so much more next year than it has in the past that I just, I, I cannot see a scenario where they would put a guy who is such a question mark defensively, and offensively, to be honest, I mean, you know, he got off to that hot start, but he cooled down quite a bit. And if you look at his batted ball numbers, you know, there's some questions there about how good of a hitter he's actually going to be. And I just, I have a hard time seeing them using Vaughn Grissom as the primary. I actually think Vaughn's going to be in AAA next year. I don't, I don't even, I don't even think he's going to be on the major league team because I, I, I don't think they want him to start, and I don't think they want him to ride the bench either. I think he's going to be the starting shortstop for Gwinnett. 
but that's a separate discussion. So yeah, internally and in, in Orlando Garcia, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on. He's a bench player. I mean, he's a bench piece. He's not a guy you start, you know, he's a guy who, who has a really solid, he's a really solid backup player. And, you know, we learned, you know, the year that the Braves lost their entire outfield and guys like Adrianza and Almonte and Heredia had to go from being nice bench pieces to everyday players. That's when we saw them get exposed. And that's what happens. And that happened a little bit with Arcia last year when Ozzy got hurt is that he got exposed a little bit. And so you don't want to really put bench pieces as starting pieces because they're bench pieces for a reason. So, yeah, internally, they'll tell you publicly that they have replacements available, but the truth is they probably don't. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I 100% agree. I, 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 just straightforward, I am 100% positive that the starting shortstop for the Braves on opening day in 2023 is not currently within the franchise. And, and that's not a knock towards Grissom. That's not a knock towards Arcia. It's just being realistic. To your point, if this team is truly, which we all know they are, focused on getting as many chances to win the World Series moving forward as possible, um, they clearly need, you know, to find, you know, more reliability, more certainty. So where do they find that? And that's where the questions start getting fun. And so, you know, you've got, you know, one free agent option that's out there in Elvis Andrews, and we'll talk about him in just a second. But now, Steve, I want to get your thoughts a bit on the trade market. And where I start are the guys who have been most impacted by the Correa Bogarts, you know, signings. You've got Ha Sung Kim, and if I said his name wrong, forgive me, but he is, you know, in you know Fernando Tatis being out last year, he is someone who played very, very well. He's signed, I believe, to two years, 14 to 15 million for 23 and 24 total. He'll make seven to eight million in each year. He's an option now with, you know, Machado and, and, and Bogarts and, you know, Tatis in San Diego, potentially. Brandon Crawford, one year, 15 and a half million left on his contract now that San Francisco has signed Correa. I don't think Willie Adamas is in the mix or, or the Braves would have probably, you know, they probably did do their due diligence on that in the Brewers being involved in the Murphy, Sean Murphy trade. And then you've got a few others that are out there. Could, you know, Nick Ahmed, you know, of, of the Diamondbacks, a veteran on a rebuilding team, just throwing some names out there. But the Braves had to dip into their major league talent to go get Murphy by using William Contreras as a trade piece. Do the Braves have enough pieces to go get a good enough shortstop option in a trade that that makes sense as the route for them to go to get their starting shortstop for next year? So the trade market is interesting because – so we'll just kind of run through the names that you just went through. So Kim in San Diego – Everything I've read is Kim is, is kind of slated to be the starting second baseman. I think they're going to move uh, Cronenworth to first. They're going to play Kim at second, play Xander at short, play Machado at third. And then when T Tatis comes back from his, you know, he got suspended 80 games for the steroid stuff. So when he comes back, I'm guessing they're going to put him in right field. He's probably needs to be in right field anyway. So I don't know that Kim's available. Um, Nick Ahmed is probably a, uh, probably a pretty strong 
option. I, you know, you never know what the Diamondbacks are going to do, but they're not good enough to win. And I think I'll met, I think uh, Nick Ahmed has got like one year left on his deal. And so um, that's probably a decent, that's probably a decent option. Um, you know, with, uh, with Correa at San, in San Francisco, I read somewhere that they were thinking about playing Korea at third for one year, just so Brandon Crawford could finish out his contract at short. And I, I think I read that Korea signed off on that before he signed his deal. We'll have to see. I haven't actually seen that confirmed, but I don't know that Brandon Crawford's going to move either. So the, you know, if I was kind of handicapping the trade market, the two names I would probably start with are Ahmed Rosario in Cleveland, who's uh, got one year left on his deal and, before he becomes a free agent and, and Cleveland's not going to resign him. So, you know, Cleveland trading him makes sense. And then Nick Ahmed with the Diamondbacks, that's probably where the trade market starts. Um, but you never know, you know, trade, you just never know, you know, you don't actually know who's available. You don't know what other teams would want. You don't know which prospects other teams like predicting the trade market is impossible. I mean, you know, who would have ever predicted the Sean Murphy trade, you know, piece by piece. I mean, that trade was so just out of left field and, and that's how a lot of trades are. It's just, it's impossible to predict because you're, you know, there's so many variables you don't know. You don't know who's available. You don't know what teams think about certain prospects. So you can just kind of connect dots as best you can. And, and Rosario in Cleveland and Ahmed in uh, Arizona look like they make the most sense. I agree with you. I don't think Adamas is available in Milwaukee. Otherwise that probably would have already happened. If he is available, then the Braves would certainly pursue it, but I don't think he is. So yeah, the trade market's tough, and it, you know, and there's there's always the possibility, especially the way Alex works, that there's somebody that we're not even thinking about that he goes out and gets. So, you know, if you're trying to predict trades, then you know you're gonna you're gonna spend all day and all night, and, and probably not get anywhere close. So, the free agent market is definitely where you're. It's much easier to predict, and like you said, and and Bowman has said this name a, a couple times, and so, you know. Elvis Andrews is definitely probably the, if you had to handicap it right now, if I had to bet on it, who I thought would be the the most likely candidate to be the shortstop next year, I would probably pick Elvis Andrews because Bowman is not just tweeting that name out randomly. He's heard that from somebody. And, you know, if you, you know, if you connect the dots there, then that probably makes the most sense out of who's out there, but a trade could happen. You know, you just trade markets impossible to predict. Absolutely. And and the thing that stands out is this, is that, you know, at the end of the day, Dansby Swanson, you know, 6.4, you know, F4 wins, you know, whatever value you put on the metrics, obviously a lot of value. But the thing that stands out for the Braves is that, you know, with them not being in the shortstop market with the, the amount of talent that was out there, you know, they, they were not going to pay for, for, you know, an all-star level type shortstop, which is clear. And so the Braves, what they really need is, especially with the changes in defense, especially with, you know, some some different things happening next year, they probably do put a bit more value in a veteran, someone who has been in the majors for quite a while, someone that, you know, can easily adjust to different changes that are coming on and some of that could be reliable to play. And that certainly is Elvis Andrews who had his best season last year in 2022 since 2017, you know, with Texas, he had a, he had a pretty decent season at, at the plate, you know, compared over the past couple of seasons. I don't know if he has another 3.5 F war, you know, season in him, but if the Braves could get him on a pretty reasonable one year deal, 
I do think that probably makes the most sense, especially with the fact that they do have limited trade resources. So if that is the move, Stephen, your thoughts on Andrews, you know, could he potentially at the very least put together a season like he had in 2021? Yeah. So the first place, anytime we're talking about it, especially a veteran player who's got a, a huge body of work to, to lean on. The first thing I always do is look at projections because I think they're the most accurate and, and give us the, the most or the the opinion that has the least amount of bias cooked in. And listen, I'm going to be honest, the projections don't love Andrews next year. You know, they project him in about a 90 WRC plus next year, which is a below average hitter. Um, he should be a strong defensive player, which is what he's been most of his career. And that's probably why the Braves are interested. Just they first and foremost want a glove, somebody they know is going to catch the ball, which is going to be the hesitation with, with Grissom. Um, and so, you know, it, if you're just going off projections, you know, Andrews next year, I think he's 34 years old. So, you know, it's not going to be great. It's not going to be like having Dansby or having a star shortstop. It's going to be a glove mainly and a guy that, you know, is not great with the bat. And that's probably pretty fair in terms of a projection. So I'm not going to blow smoke up people's butt and tell them it's a great, you know, it would be a great signing. It would make the Braves so much better. It, 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 it it'd just be kind of an average signing, but when you're, when you don't really have another option and the Braves, I'm not sure have another option, then that's what you do. You know, you kind of sign the next best player on the market and that's where Andrew says he's the next best player. And he did have a good year last year with Oakland. I mean, you know, that is true. He had a one Oh five WRC plus last year played really good defense. Listen, if you got that, then, you would be ecstatic. I mean, you would just be over the moon, but you know, that, you know, if you look at his OBA versus expected OBA, there was a pretty large overperformance there. And I don't think anybody actually thinks that's his true talent level. So, you know, you're not, you're not paying for that. You're, you're paying for what you expect him to be this year, which would be quite a bit below that, at least offensively. So yeah, uh, if they signed him tomorrow, which I wouldn't be surprised if they did, then, you know, my reaction would be he's a glove He's going to play pretty solid defense and anything you, you know, they're probably bad him ninth just because the offense is probably good enough without having to get a ton from um, shortstop. And then my eyes would turn to left field to try to improve left field, to try to make up for the the loss of Dansby on in the lineup. But yeah, in terms of Andrews, he's just, he's a glove pretty much at this point. Who's probably a below average hitter and, I mean, he's 34 years old, so, you know, you're not going to get – it's not like an all-star or anything. He's just a – he's a solid major league veteran, probably a one-and-a-half win type of player over a full season. And so nothing to get too excited about, but, you know, the type of player that you can have on your roster and still win anything that you want to win. Um, it's just not going to excite too many people. And, and listen, I, I, I understand why. And agree completely. And so we'll pivot. We'll, we'll make the actual pivot then. So we've talked about internal options as far as the shortstop position goes. We've talked about external options that could make sense at shortstop. But in the general, you know, you know, overall for the team format, looking at the team as a whole, obviously you're losing a significant bat in Dansby Swanson as well. And the Braves clearly have areas of need that they still could add offense. Shortstop is one of them. Left field, as you wrote about over at batterypower.com a few days ago in an excellent article, is another. And DH now is one as well with William Contreras in Milwaukee. I want to set, you know, kind of a, 
and and a level of of expected move potentially. I would be willing to bet if we're talking about betting. I would be willing to bet that in terms of overall value as a player. I think Sean Murphy is the biggest name we get this offseason. I don't necessarily think a Brian Reynolds level player is the move for the Braves to make. But if we're going to go with like a defensive first shortstop, then the offense that you need to add back comes out of left field. And you mentioned some names, Michael Conforto. I know you mentioned Andrew Benatendi perhaps being options. But the Braves really focusing on that left field position, that now becomes critical left field and DH for them to add that offense. Your thoughts on on what could make sense. Perhaps we might get a move out of left field, but we already probably used one of our most obvious trade ships in Contreras to get Murphy. Really, where do the Braves go as far as the, you know, filling that left field and DH need to get that needed extra offense? Yeah, I wrote about this last week um, and kind of in the article, you know, I kind of said, the, the Dansby writing is on the wall that he's he's probably not going to resign. And so I kind of had already resigned myself in the article to the fact that the Braves were probably going to have to do something glove first at shortstop. And because of that, obviously, like you just pointed out, they do need to add some offense somewhere. You know, you can't lose Dansby's offense and then just run it back and Contreras' offense, by the way, and just run it back with – Rosario and, and Ozuna in left field and DH, you know, if you're going to let Dansby walk and obviously they did, then, you know, you have to, you have to make an upgrade somewhere else. And so that's kind of what I was writing about. And, you know, like you said, there's a few guys on the free agent market, obviously Ben attendee has signed with the white Sox since I wrote that. So he's off the market, but Conforto still out there. You know, Michael Brantley is out there for a DH candidate who I think would be tremendous for the Braves. And the Braves were actually interested in Michael Bradley um, when he was a free agent a couple of years ago before he signed with Houston. So that actually might work. Obviously, they have to figure something out with Ozuna. But um, so, yeah, but if you're going to go glove first, like you just said, if you're going to if you're going to go cheap at shortstop, if you're going to go glove first, then you do need to upgrade the offense. And, you know, when you have a left fielder and a DH that underperformed at the level that Rosario and Ozuna did last year, then that's the clear and obvious spot for an upgrade is, is left field or DH. So, and, you know, you can also move into the trade market a little bit with those guys with those positions as well. And it, it does open up some options and outfielders are a little easier to trade for than anybody else, just because there's so many of them. You know, we've seen that before with Alex and at the deadline a couple of years ago, basically rebuilding his outfield. So for pretty cheap, so you could actually find decent outfield help not spend a lot in terms of prospect capital, but yeah, I, I last week when I wrote that article, I, I'd already resigned myself to the fact that Dansby was signing with the Cubs or the twins and you know, that the Braves were going to have to go pretty cheap and at shortstop. And, and so the team probably needs to upgrade left or left field or DH just to maintain kind of the talent level. Now, listen, the Braves are going to get improvements because of Acuna and Albies, you know, they're coming back, should be fully healthy. So the Braves didn't really didn't get a lot for them last year. So you're going to get internal improvements just because of that. But still, you don't want to you don't want to lose Dansby and then just not replace any of his production, especially offensively, because Dansby had a really big offensive year for the Braves last year and had a lot of big hits and batted second for most of the year. Um, so it's a big loss and you need to replace it somehow. And I think they will. I think they'll do something. I don't know what no one ever knows what with Alex, but, you know, I think they'll probably sign a glove. Andrews probably makes the most sense. And then, you know, try to maybe look to upgrade left field or DH. 
And then, so Stephen, we'll finish with this, you know, perspective, you know, let's look at, you know, the things that you mentioned about the fact that, you know, Dansby Swanson is now um, in Chicago. William Contreras is now in Milwaukee. Sean Murphy is now a brave. Um, Say they do go out and they get Elvis Andrews and they get a, offensive, you know, first player on the level of a Conforto or somebody like that to possibly be, you know, the top guy in left field. You talk about um, Ozzy coming back, a full season of a healthy Acuna. Your overall summation of what's already happened, what we see happening, your overall summation of where the Braves are now going into 2023 versus last year. For instance, one thing that, you know, stands out to me that may be a bit underrated, there's some good defense, on this team, which is going to be even more important to the point you made earlier about the shift and, you know, the the base runners, you know, having, you know, potentially more advantages for them. Murphy behind the plate, a full year of Ozzy healthy, full year of Acuna healthy, a glove first guy at short. The defense for the Braves overall could be pretty strong, even with losing Swanson, but just some, a few other points about what we've seen so far and what we think could happen that, you know, really stands out about this Braves team going forward compared to what the Mets and the Phillies have done for 2023? Yeah, I I do think people have lost sight a little bit of the fact that the Braves had one of the best rosters in baseball before the offseason began. They didn't have a ton to do. And so, you know, there's frustration in the fan base that all these other teams have have been going out and making all these moves and the Braves haven't really done much, but really if you look at it, really no team in baseball was returning as much talent as the Braves were, you know, already signed and locked up for 2023. So the Braves didn't have a ton of moves to make anyways. And, you know, they definitely got better at defense at catcher. Like you just said, having a full year of Michael Harrison center field, they'll be elite, you know, in center field. Ozzy's an extremely good defensive second baseman. So yeah, if they sign a defensive shortstop, then, defensively up the middle they could you could argue they're the best defensive team in baseball up the middle between catcher short second and center field and that that's huge i mean that matters a lot and so you know this team is really good and it's annoying that the braves have been kind of quiet and you know let all these free agents kind of go and, and haven't done much and i get the frustration but you know this team is still projected to be one of the five best teams in baseball next year, just as it is right now with, with, with still some holes to fill on the team. And if they fill those holes, then it's, it's even better than that. So I get the frustration. I understand why people get annoyed. Alex, you know, Alex works in a frustrating way where he, there's, there's just no, there's no lead up, right? You just have to sit and wait in silence for months before he kind of makes his move. And that can be frustrating. And all these other teams are making these splashy moves and fans get envious and I get it, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's nobody wins anything in December. And, you know, when it comes to April and May and June, the Braves have one of the best teams in baseball. I mean, they, they just, as it sits today, they have one of the best teams in baseball. The season started today, they would be projected at 90 plus wins again and, you know, on their way to the playoffs again. So I think some Braves fans have gotten a little spoiled, quite honestly. You know, this team has gotten or had a, a run of success the last couple of years, a few years, well, five years that, you know, most teams of baseball would be envious of. I mean, imagine being a Rockies fan, you know, imagine being a Royals fan or an Orioles fan, although they've they've been better. But you get the point. I mean, the the this team is as well set up as any team in baseball and has had as much success the last five years as any team in baseball. So. 
you know, I get that today can be a frustrating day and it's sad to lose a guy like Dansby, especially a year after losing Freddie. But I always tell people zoom out, you know, you got to take a step back from Twitter. You got to zoom out. You got to keep it in perspective. The Braves are still set up as well as any organization in the sport for a long, long, long time. Maybe, maybe better than it may, you know, maybe they might be number one in terms of organizational health just because they have such a young team that's locked up. Most of them are locked up for so long. So Alex will do something. You know, I, I said it earlier. I think Alex has earned enough of the benefit of the doubt that, you know, fans should trust him. He's got a plan. They, they've known for a while that Dansby's – I mean, listen, if we've known for a while that Dansby wasn't coming back, they've known for a while that Dansby's coming back. So they have a plan. It's not like they're – it's not like today's events were shocking to them. They, they knew this was coming. And so they'll have a plan. And I – they've shown – you know, an extreme amount of competency and being able to consistently build winning teams. And I don't have any reason to think that's going to stop in 2023. So I get today's frustrating, but my advice to fans would be, you know, keep it in perspective, zoom out. And, and this team is still one of the best in baseball. Absolutely. And, you know, the year after they lost Freddie Freeman, you know, they lost Freddie Freeman last offseason. How did they respond? They wound up having, you know, in terms of the regular season, the best results they've had in almost two decades. I know it didn't work out in the playoffs, but that means something, especially moving forward, is that this is a more, in my opinion, this is a significantly more complete team than the, going forward than this team won even, you know, 12, 15 months ago when they were winning the World Series. And I don't mean to be facetious saying that. It's just the numbers, you know, pointed out. And, you know, and, and that occurred, to your point, without having a healthy uh, Ozzy Albies for, you know, much of the season or Ronald Acuna Jr. So, you know, we don't want to keep, you know, throwing the same narratives out there to, you know, just to, you know, make, you know, the folks who enjoy listening to the podcast happy. It's legitimate truths. There is, this team is very good. And the fact is you've got Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka that you hope can return to, you know, somewhat near what they used to be. There's a lot of significant areas of improvement that could happen for this Braves team that could take care of the losses that have occurred. And then on top of that, obviously the additions that are to come. So Stephen, I thank you for taking the time to, to join me. I imagine uh, that, you know, this is not going to be the last emergency podcast, you know, even for this year that the battery power podcast network puts out there. Just any final thoughts that you have as, as we, uh, we end this emergency podcast edition on a uh, Dansby Swanson's uh, um, leaving the, uh, the Braves organization. No, just, you know, I'm happy for Dansby. Um, you know, it wasn't always easy for him, you know, people forget, but he got demoted at one point, you know, in 2017, you know, he, 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 he got the starting shortstop job in 16 and it wasn't always a, a smooth sailing. I mean, he had some ups and downs and it, it wasn't always sure exactly what kind of player he would turn out to be, especially offensively. He really struggled. And then, you know, in the shortened 2020 year, he really found it and, and has kind of ridden that all the way to a big contract. So I'm super happy for him. You know, he's been a class act his entire time with the Braves helped them win a world series. So, you know, before we get too far down the road of what the Braves are going to do post Dansby, I do want to take the, um, at least a minute to say, you know, how much we appreciate what he did and, you know, the kind of player he was, the kind of leader he was. I know he took a big leadership role last year when Freddie left. And so, you know, he was a huge part of that. He was the best player on the team last year. You know, he was a six, one player last year. And I don't think that's his true talent level. I don't, I, you know, that's 
kind of the the thesis of why I, I wasn't too sad to see him go. But, you know, he still put up that season last year. And that was a big reason why the Braves won 101 games and won the division for the fifth straight year. So, you know, he needs he needs that respect. And I hope people, you know, remember him well and, and finally i'm sure they will he was extremely popular probably even more popular than freddie was honestly so great for him i'm happy for him he got a life-changing money he got a huge payday you know he just got married so you know just extremely happy for him and you know the braves are going to be fine so I, I would just tell people not to freak out Absolutely. And, and, and to your point, it's been one heck of a month. You know, the man gets gets married to Mallory Pugh, his longtime um, girlfriend. Congratulations to them. Um, you know, I, I, I believe last weekend or maybe the weekend was before that. But then now, I believe for the next seven years, he's going to be making per year similar or even more than what he's made so far in his career. I may be a bit off on that, but it's it's been one heck of a month for Dansby Swanson. And while it's sad that it won't continue with the Braves, you Thinking, you know, he he's one of the best shortstops in franchise history, and and he's obviously, I think he's exceeded expectations, you know, with with in terms of how his career started. So, so best of luck, obviously, to him, his new wife, and you know, all of his opportunities in Chicago. But, um, Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time. Always enjoy doing this with you. And like I say, this this probably won't be the uh, obviously won't be the last time that you know we may be speaking directly or in general speaking on the podcast um, about moves that the Braves are going to make this offseason. Yep, it's good. It's good to be on with you, Sean. Um, I my guess is we're going to do this again probably pretty soon. Agreed, agreed. Like I say, this this may not be the last significant move that we see the Braves make, even with the new year just a few weeks away. But of course, you can find Stephen at b underscore outliers on Twitter. Myself at stats sac. Of course, Stephen and Chris Willis do the uh, podcast to be named later. You can find me a few times each week on the Daily Hammer, plus Brad Rowland and Scott Coleman on the uh, Battery Power Podcast, all part of the Battery Power Podcast Network at batterypower.com, at batterypowersbn, across all forms of social media and free on all podcast platforms. For Stephen Tolbert, my name's Sean Coleman. Stephen, also happy holidays to you and your family and continued to hope each of you have a great holiday season as well. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Battery Power Podcast. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.